Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. You know, something Zach said just a minute ago is, is really true, and we could reflect on it for a few minutes. He said... Something to the extent that, uh, you know, if you want to look at your look at your checkbook and you'll see where your heart is. Amen. He said, look at your checkbook, checkbook for the month and you'll see where your heart is. I, the only thing I would change that, see, and you know, it's October or September rather. And, uh, you know, the years, we're in nine months in a year. Go back and look at your checkbook for this year. And that'll tell you where your heart is. Amen. Uh, tithes. You know, the, the tithe is the beginning because the tithe belongs to the Lord. The Bible says it's holy. It belongs to the Lord. Jacob said this long before the law. He said to the Lord, of what you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. The tithe belongs to the Lord. But what about the other things, areas of giving in the church? Like I said, go back and look at your checkbook. I challenge you, don't just nod your head and say, oh yeah, that's right. I challenge you to go do it. Go back and look at your checkbook for the last year and just see what about guest ministers when they come. Amen. What about missionaries every month? What about special projects? Got quieter each time. Yeah, go back and look and see where your heart is because that'll tell you where your heart is. It'll tell you where your heart isn't. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I said this morning that my wife and I are one and we share everything. My money's her money. Her money's my money. Isn't that right? She didn't say yep to that. (laughs) But it's true. I can trust my wife with my money, with our money. I trust her. I don't have to go back and check up on her. I know my wife is, excuse me, is faithfully going to give a tenth of all that comes into our hands, mine and hers collectively, from every uh, income stream that can come. I, I know without checking that my wife is going to surely give a tenth to the Lord. I know that because she writes the checks. And uh, so we don't even talk about that. But when it comes to to, uh, offerings, special things, we discuss these. And uh, because I want to make sure she and I are on the same page. Husbands and wives, you need to discuss things. Amen. And... uh, Like I said, I don't have to check up on my wife, but I'm not so sure about everybody else. Are you sure your spouse, you believe believe you're tithing? You ought to check up. Maybe your spouse isn't tithing on your money. That'd be a discussion to have at home, wouldn't it? (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. You know, I've not pastored 40 years out in the darkness somewhere. I've seen some things, amen. 
So, you know, your spouse, you might be thinking that, yeah, we support all these things. If you went and checked up, you might find out you're not supporting much. Praise the Lord. You're so in discord now, Pastor. No, I'm not. I'm just saying husbands and wives ought to be in agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Father. Let's just lift our hands to him and just worship him. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's turn tonight to the passage we started with this morning. Go to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse number 17 says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord, that would be someone who's born again. If you're born again, you've become one with Christ. You are joined to the Lord and you're one spirit with him. That means everything he has, you have. Because we looked at this morning and we saw that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now I want you to turn with that thought, I want you to turn to Hebrews, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. We'll read the first four verses. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has, now notice, whom he has appointed heir of all things. God has appointed his son heir of all things. But notice the next part. Through whom also, through whom his son, through whom his son, through his son also he made the worlds. So Christ participated with the father in creating all things. But now the Father has appointed him heir of all things. Does that seem a little strange to you? It does to me. Why would he have to be appointed heir of all things if he created all things? I would think if he created all things, he would already be the owner of all things. He doesn't have to be the heir. He has them. He is. He then. Isn't that right? But you see, Jesus laid aside his place. He didn't cease to be God, but he laid aside the place that he had and stepped down from the throne of glory and took upon flesh, became a a mere human being like you and I. And when when he took flesh upon himself, he did it in order to bring us, he, he needed to be like we were so that we could become like he is. But before we could become like he is, he had to become like we were. So he took on flesh, took on humanity, took on all the limitations of a natural man. 
You say, well, you know, he didn't act like a natural man. He walked on the water. That's not, that's not common to natural men. But he didn't walk on the water because he was God. He walked on the water as an operation of the working of miracles. That was a gift of the Spirit that was in manifestation. Uh, how many of you know you can't walk on the water? Unless it's frozen. <laughs> no, you know, he, he walked on the water and he did it not as God, but as a man full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit, operating in the realm of the Spirit. And you can know that it wasn't a God thing because Peter walked on the water for a little bit. He stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. He wasn't God. He was far from God, being God. Isn't that right? So Jesus took on humanity and was subject to all the limitations of humanity he couldn't fly. He couldn't just disappear and, you know, just do whatever he wanted to do. He was, he was in every form, in every way, limited to what's common to man, except this difference. He had the Holy Spirit without measure, and the anointing of God is what caused him to live a miraculous life, a supernatural life. He did that by the anointing of the Spirit. And he did that. In order to become like us and one of us in every way. Think about what he laid aside. Jesus, we've already said it, we've already sang it tonight. For whom are all things and by whom are all things and by him all things consist. By whom we read right here, he made the worlds. All things were made by him. It says in John 1, without him, nothing that is made was made. Think, think of what he stepped out of and stepped down from to take uh, such a lowly position as a, as a mere human being. He did that because we needed to be raised up. We needed to be elevated because God didn't create man in the present image we see man. God didn't create man in a fallen state. God created man in a, in a holy state of full fellowship with him. But man, because of sin and disobedience, fell. And Jesus came to lift us up. And then when we believed on him, we were joined with him. We became one spirit with him. So at that point, when Jesus when Jesus was raised from the dead, he, he wasn't, I, I said this a few weeks ago and I just said it. And when I said, it, I, re, I really wasn't thinking about it. Just, I kind of heard it come out of my mouth. And, 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 you know, when you're preaching, you can't always just go back and analyze everything you said, you know. And I went back and thought about it later. Uh, I lost my chain of thought. What it was I said, now you don't have any idea what I'm thinking of, do you? <laughs> Glory to God. It'll, it'll come back to me in a minute. But Jesus, he, he didn't, I remember what it was. When, when Jesus was raised from the dead, when, what? Roll tide. Roll tide. I can't embarrass you now. I'm, I, have the, I have the mic. I have the modium. Roll tide. That's an, you know, it's not pleasant. It's not polite to have inside jokes. So you're a very impolite person. Hallelujah. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he could have said, you know, I've done my work. I'm finished. I'm going to go back to where I came from 
and I'm going to take my position that I had in the beginning. I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, it's like a kid that, you know, moves away from home. And then he decides he's going to come home. I won't just come back to my room. <laughs> I'm going to come back home. I will take my place. I'm going to just sit down at the dinner table like I've been here all along. And sometimes that doesn't work. Jesus didn't just go home and take his previous place. He went back as a man. There had never been a man seated at the throne of God. Never had been. Never would have been had it not been for what Jesus did. When Jesus went back, he didn't go back and just assume his previous exaltation as the son of God, as the second person of the, of the Trinity. He didn't go back and just sit down as the, the creator, creator, not crusader, the creator of all things, the creator of the worlds. He didn't just, that's the position he had. He didn't just go back and take that position. He took, he went back after being, after being raised from the dead as a glorified man. He went back and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Let's read Hebrews again. Hebrews 1. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. There's a bit of a dichotomy here, I guess, when you, when you juxtapose by him he created all things, created all the worlds, and yet he's been made the heir of all things. Because he laid aside his position in order to, to come and become one of us and bring us into him, it, it was in this, in this new position as son of man. Not just son of God, but son of man. He referred to himself as the son of man often. And so when he went back up and, and ascended into heaven, I think I said this Wednesday night over in Ephesians where it says that we were raised up together with him and, uh, and, and, and that God seated him in, in Ephesians chapter one. He seated him. Well, uh, in, the, in the Greek it says he made him to sit. Not just, not just anybody can sit at the right hand of God. <laughs> it describes here when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's not just someplace anybody can just sashay in and, and take. Just walk in. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't, uh, uh, when he was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, he didn't just come in and say, Hey, boys, is there a seat somebody is not sitting in? Can I sit here and just sit down? The Father made him to sit, caused him to sit. In other words, there's a, there's a sense of, of ceremony and a sense of, 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 of uh, uh, pomp and, and, and circumstance and, and, and glory where the Father brought the Son who had stepped down and taken up humanity taken upon himself humanity and the father caused that man to be seated at his right hand. 
At that point, Jesus became the heir of everything because he had given up his position and took on the, 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 the position and the stature of a man. And as a man, still God, yes, but as a man, he was awarded everything in this world. Everything. Every thing you can think of in creation, Jesus became the heir of it. At that point, everything that exists in the known universe was given to Christ. He became heir of all things. Glory to God. And was seated. Well, we were seated with him. We were present. Like I said, you know, you were at the cross. You were at the tomb on Easter morning. You, you came out of that tomb with him. But you were also raised up with him and seated with him. You and I were seated together at the Father's right hand. And everything that God has belongs to Christ. And it says here that he... Having become so much better than the angels, he, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they did. So Jesus inherited what he has now. Even though he created it, he gave it up, but he gave it, he got it back by inheritance. By conquest, by having spoiled principalities and powers, by that conquest, he inherited Everything that, that he created. And he brought us into that heritage. That's hard to get, that's hard to comprehend. We don't know yet what the future holds in the ages to come. But the Bible says that in the ages to come, he will show his kindness toward us. Toward us. Toward us. That was the whole purpose of Christ. You were Christ's purpose. You, you were the reason he came. You and I were the reason he laid his life down. You and I, in our, in our wicked state, undeserving of even a thought from God, of even the, 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 the acknowledgement of, of, of our existence, For us, he took that life back up, took us up with him, seated us at the Father's right hand as equal heirs. Did I, did, did, do, do you remember Romans? Does it say what it says? Not only heirs of God, but joint heirs with Christ. Equal heirs with Christ. Now, don't you can you can take anything and take it outside the the, the realm of of biblical uh, truth. There are some things in the Bible that are so amazing that one truth can be so glorious that it can almost seem to eclipse everything else. But Bible truth, and I've, I've used this illustration. I got it from Kenneth Hagin. I don't think there's a better illustration. Bible truth is like a mountain. 
You climb up one side of the mountain, you see one thing. You climb up another side of the mountain, you see an entirely different view. The mountain itself looks different. The rock formations are different. The vegetation, if you take a snapshot of one side, take a snapshot of the other side, you wouldn't even think it's the same mountain. The view is different. Everything's different in the different side of a mountain, and there's many different sides. So your perspective is, is multifaceted. I can't make, nor do I think it's my responsibility to make all truth that I see in the Bible come together in something I can comprehend. I just have to acknowledge things that I see and then I have to acknowledge other things that don't seem to be saying the same thing. I don't know how they come. As I've matured in Christ and grown, I've begun to see how some of those things connect. But I, there, and I'll just say, I'm just going to meddle for a minute here. Not, not here, but I'll just meddle where ministers are concerned. Some ministers feel compared, compelled to make everything fit. And so they come up with these weird doctrines and they try to, you know, some things, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how, I'll give you an example is what I'm talking about. I don't know how I can be heir of all things, equal heir with Jesus, and yet he's the head and I'm not. I know that's true. I know we're the church, we're the body, he's the head, and, 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 and the head of the church has pre, 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 uh, predominance over everything. And yet we're heirs equally with him. I, I don't know those kind of, those kind of different concepts. They're both true. So before anybody gets carried away and say, well, we're equal to Jesus, you know, we're, we're equal heirs and we have everything he has, then we're him. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. When we get to heaven, it's not your light that's going to light that city. <laughs> You're not the light bulb that's going to be shining all over the city of, of, of the New Jerusalem. It's going to be the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So we have, we have to be careful that we don't get beside ourselves. But at the same time, we can't, we can't not acknowledge this other part that is so amazing. That we are joint heirs, equal heirs with Christ. So how do you make it fit? I I don't know. It's above my pay grade, I guess. But I believe we'll see more as we go. And it'll all be balanced and in line with the word of God. I said this morning, if if you've been joined to Christ, made one with him, brought into vital union with Christ through the new birth, then you are a joint participant in the covenant God the Father cut with Christ back in Abraham's day. God the Father cut a covenant. And ordinarily, Abraham, it says he made a covenant with Abraham, but he put Abraham to sleep, caused a great sleep to fall upon him and a horror of darkness. And we read all of that and Pastor Field uh, uh, taught that so well because in his place, in Abraham's place, Jesus came down. And walked through that bloody path. And then he fulfilled. That was a type. And then he fulfilled that when he walked the walk of Calvary. And took our sins upon himself. And suffered and poured out his life blood. Glory to God. And uh, so that covenant that God cut with Christ. We're, we're part of it. Because we're part of him. So that's, that's our covenant. Amen. You're authorized, qualified, fit 
able (laughs) to take advantage of all of the inheritance. Jesus set us free from the jailhouse (laughs) of darkness and let us loose in the kingdom of the son of his love. Just turned us loose, praise God. Just turned us loose. That means we just go wherever we want to in the kingdom. It all belongs to ours. Any provision we want, whatever we need, we have it, praise God. Amen. That was point number one. Point number two, the devil could not possibly have any claim on you because Christ broke every claim, sin and the law had on himself and you. Go with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, 3, excuse me, Colossians 3, Colossians 3. Verse 13, two, excuse me, chapter 2, I wrote that wrong, chapter 2, glory to God. Verse number 13, and you. I like, I like to go back and read because it, it's important to, to get this, the, the flow here. Verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Now read it this way. Who raised him from the dead and you. Who raised him from the dead and you. Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now notice, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances or requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. Now, the margin of my Bible says having, where it says having wiped out the handwriting of, the older King James says the handwriting of ordinance. New King James says the handwriting of requirements. In the margin of my Bible, it says the certificate of debt with its requirements. You and I, there was a certificate of debt against us. Because we were dead in trespasses and sins and we deserved to be. Because we had sinned and transgressed God's holy commandments. And spiritual death had come in and and gripped every one of us. Brought us under its cruel reign, its cruel mastery and control. But when we were made alive together with him, we were forgiven all of our trespasses. And the certificate of debt with its requirements, was taken out of the way and nailed to his cross. That that certificate of debt was Satan's claim on you. He had a claim on you and me. He had a claim on us because we were guilty. There was a claim that he could bring up before God and say, wait a minute, God, Joe here says he loves you, but, but look, I've got, this, I've got this certificate of debt that he owes. Jesus took that debt, your certificate of debt, your obligation of debt, took it, 
Nailed it to the cross. Glory to God. Satan cannot have any claim over you. It's impossible to have any claim over you. Now, everybody immediately thinks of themselves or they think of somebody else that has sinned. (laughs) If not yourself, you'll think of somebody else. And then you've sinned for doing that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because we all know our flesh. We're thinking, yeah, but the devil has a claim because last week I didn't act very good. I did something I shouldn't have done. But you see, that doesn't give the devil the right over you. It doesn't. Because that certificate of debt covers everything. That debt was, that certificate of debt was nailed to the cross. Now, when we, when we transgress what God has instructed us to do, when we're, when we're led by the Spirit to do one thing and we don't do what the, that, and we do something else, when the Word says do something and we do something else, that is sin. And we have to confess that sin in order to activate the forgiveness that's already been made. Because Jesus isn't going back to the cross every time you do something bad. He's not going to go back to the cross and pay for that sin again and again and again. It's been done one time. But we have to access that through our faith. And the way we access that as a believer is we just confess it. Lord, I, 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 missed, I missed it. You know, I, I missed your will. I didn't do right. I, I sinned. Just call it sin. You didn't make a mistake. You just sinned. <laughs> And we're instantly forgiven. But in the process, the devil still didn't have any claim on you. Still didn't. Well, then we don't need to, you might say, well, then we don't need to confess that the devil doesn't have any claim on us. We can just go our merry way. Like I said this morning, it's impossible for you to exercise faith under the curse of condemnation. Because condemnation comes as a result of sin. Your own spirit will condemn you. When you do wrong, God's not condemning you, but your own spirit will be grieved when you do wrong. And, and faith, faith flourishes in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the loving confines and the loving uh, uh, environment of faith. You can't exercise uh, faith out of fellowship. Can't exercise faith out of fellowship. Fellowship, like I says, like what I wanted to say is fellowship flourishes in an atmosphere of freedom and access to the Father. Faith flourishes in that fellowship. When we're out of fellowship, first John tells us if we sin, we're out of fellowship with the Father. But that doesn't give the devil any right. That's the point I'm making. He doesn't have any claim on you. Because Jesus took the handwriting and certificate of debt that had your name on it and nailed it to the cross. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number three, the devil could not possibly have any authority over you. You're here in Colossians. Go back to verse chapter one, verse 13. He delivered us from the authority of darkness. I read some translations this morning. He delivered us from the the authority of darkness. 
Let's see. The dominion of darkness. The tyranny of darkness. The juris- I love this. The jurisdiction of darkness. He delivered us from that. The devil cannot possibly have any authority over you. Cannot. You're free. You're free. Praise the Lord. It's good to know. You say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know how I live sometimes. Well, you you know, probably more people know than you think. (laughs) But our sin is none of the devil's business. Did you know that? Our sin is between us and God. It's it's none of the devil's business. He doesn't have any access to enforcing anything that we've been redeemed from. He doesn't have the authority to do that. When we sin, when we miss God's best, it grieves our heart. And it it causes us to, to... uh, our, our faith to lose grip on, on uh, accessing what belongs to us. But we're, we're still not under the authority of darkness. Because how could we be? How could, how could you, being one with Christ, come under the authority of darkness again? Think about it. You couldn't come under the authority of darkness and be one with Christ. Well, pastor, I just feel like I'm, I'm in bondage. I just feel like I'm in, you don't know what I'm going through. I just got this terrible hidden sin in my life and I'm, I'm trying to get free, but I just keep stumbling. I, keep, I seem to be in the grip of this. What you're in the grip of, more importantly than sin, you're in the grip of a lack of revelation of what God has done for you. Because when, when these things register on your spirit, when you, when you come to fully understand, and I'm not saying I fully understand, but I'm saying that when you come to a place where you see in your spirit, not just mentally, it's not just a doctrine, when it becomes real to you that Jesus delivered you from that oppression, he delivered you from that sin, he delivered you from that bondage, he set you free from the authority of darkness, he translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When you see that, that's whenever you're saying, you know what, that sin has no more hold on me. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. You'll walk away from that when you see it and when you act on it in faith. I said this morning, if you just try to do better, that's not good enough. I won't carry the day because your will at some point will falter. But God's plan, his truth never falls. There is no, there is no crack There is no insufficiency in what Christ has done for us. There isn't anything that's incomplete. There's not any, there's not any gray areas, not anywhere for the devil to get in at all. Because our redemption is a finished work. It's a finished work. And whenever you, whenever you do wrong and the devil points his bony little finger at you and says, ah, look now, who are you? Look at you. You'll go back to the word. Say, now, Father, forgive me, it's done. See, that's a family relate. that's a family matter. 
That's a family matter. The devil doesn't have any business even being involved in that. Don't even let him talk to you about it. Don't even let him bring it up to you. Your, your own heart will, will alert you when you need to confess your sin. It'll alert you instantly. So, Father, forgive me. You might have to do that nine times on Tuesday. <laughs> but Jesus, remember Jesus did say, he taught us that if, if a man comes to you in, in 490 times a day and says, I repent, what are you supposed to do? On the, the 490th time, you're supposed to forgive me. Well, I'm hoping not many of us have pushing 490 sins in one day. <laughs> the point is there, it's not a mathematical formula. The point is there, there is no exhausting the mercy of God. You can't out God's grace and mercy. You just can't do it. Glory to God. Well, if, like I said, if that's, if, if, if Christ, if you could come under the dominion of darkness, then Christ would be under the dominion of darkness. Because you're sitting next to him. You're right there at the throne of God. Well, praise the Lord. Sin. Number four, sin could not possibly have any authority over you. If you've been joined to Christ, if you've been made one with him and you have been in the new birth, it would be absolutely and it is absolutely impossible for sin to have dominion over you. It's impossible. You say, well, but preacher, you just don't know what I'm, you just don't know me very well. Because it seems like I'm under the control of this habit or this lifestyle or this whatever it is. And, and I know it's wrong and I've repented and I've asked God to forgive me, but I just keep coming back to that, to that pig sloth, you know, and just, you know, bellying up to the, to the pig bowl again. So it seems like I'm in bondage. Pray for me. Cast the devil out of me. Pray for me that I'll be free. Now I pray for you that you'll get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. When you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, you'll see your freedom. You'll stand up and just say, devil, your, your, your days of dominating me in this is over. They're gone. They're over because I've been delivered. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Romans chapter 6, what a powerful chapter. Glory to God. Three different times it says in that, in that chapter. Having been set, therefore having been set free from sin. That's not something we're going to acquire one day. We're not going to work ourselves into it. We're not going to work ourselves up to it. We're not going to elevate and finally get there. We've been set free from sin. And when that goes off on the inside of you with certainty and you see it. Glory to God. It'll change your life. Sin could not possibly, could not possibly have any claim over you if you're in Christ. Sickness could not possibly have any dominion over you if you're in union with Christ. That's number five. Well, pastor, you don't, you you haven't seen my doctor's report. The x-rays say, Cancer has dominion over me. My body is eaten up with cancer and it's real. When you get a revelation of what Christ has done, because the Bible says your sickness was placed on him. Just like your sin was placed on him. 
Just like your sin, just like Jesus bore your sin, the same verbs are used in Hebrews chapter 53. The same verbs are used in relation to him bearing our sin as him bearing our sickness. The same, very same verbs are used. He bore our sicknesses, carried our pains. In the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, by whose stripes you were healed. Is that true or is it not true? Now, people die, Christians die of cancer. Christians die of different diseases. Even when that happens, it happens because they did not have a revelation. I'm putting anybody down. When people are suffering, you don't point your finger at anybody, but, that, but, you, but you do teach. When you get an understanding and a revelation that your sicknesses were placed on Jesus and he bore them away from you, took them off of you, carried them away to the cross, oh, glory to God. When you start seeing that faith starts to rise and it starts getting stronger, it starts getting stronger. And, and, and there'll, there'll come a time when you say, you know what? Wait a minute, devil. Wait just a minute. I am free. I'm free from this sickness. I am free. Glory to God. That's when you lay hold, just like you lay hold of that freedom from sin by understanding what Christ has done for you. You lay hold of your freedom from sickness by understanding what Christ did. It's not a matter of your effort to be free. Hallelujah. Ooh, glory. Preaching myself happy. Poverty and lack. Financial insufficiency cannot possibly have a hold on you and keep you in bondage if if you're in union with Christ. If there are no paupers at the Father's right hand, there's nobody taken out alone in heaven. The debt collector isn't showing up, the repo man isn't showing up in heaven trying to. To, to, you know, get payment in the last month's payment on the throne. God hasn't mortgaged anything up there. Debt, insufficiency, lack are inconsistent with Christ. What, what, does, what could Christ possibly owe? What could he possibly owe? What, is he, what could he possibly be in debt to? Well, we're not in debt either. Now, you might have, now, I'm not saying you didn't sign a note with the bank. I'm talking about what's rightfully, what rightfully belongs to you is provision to pay off that debt. Belongs to us. Now, here's, here's something interesting about, about poverty and, and, and lack, though. We don't have to when it comes to uh, sickness, we don't have to sow anything in order to be made whole other than sow the word into us. But when it comes to finances, God has very uniquely and very especially tied our prosperity to putting something in the ground. See, we have a right to, pro, to, to, to prosperity, we have a right to having our needs met, but he requires us to do something. Go with me over to uh, 
Go to Deuteronomy. I made mention of this verse this morning or this passage. Go to Deuteronomy 7. Thank you, Lord. Getting anything out of this? Verse 12 is one we quote a lot. It says, Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to the judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the mercy and the covenant. That's not the verse. Let's look at verse 9. That's one that's underlined too. Look at verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. I quoted this this morning talking about the fact that uh, we're covenant people. And everything that Jesus has entered into covenant with the Father uh, in, we have access to that. But when it comes to, when it comes to prosperity, there is something we have to do. There's nothing you have to do where, when it comes to, to being free from sin is just receive your freedom and walk in it. Praise God. Just stand up, you know, take your spiritual stand and say, you know what? I'm not under that. I do, I am not bound by that habit. I am not bound by that sin. I do not have to yield again. But you, you have to see it though. When it comes to sickness, you can, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give a pint of blood. <laughs> you don't have to do anything in the natural other than just believe it. But when it comes to finances, there is something you have to do. Now, I'm not, that, I say, well, that, why is that? I don't know. It just is. He said in, in the uh, seventh chapter here. Let's read 12 again, then we'll go on down. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Now, I like the, the uh, note in the margin of my Bible says where it says multiply. He will cause you to increase. We have a covenant right to increase. I said we have a covenant right to increase. There is no Lack at the throne of God. There is no lack at the right hand of the Father. There is no lack in Christ. There is no lack in a believer's life. Just can't exist. But there is something we have to do in order to have the provision of prosperity. He goes on here and he says, He will also bless the fruit of your womb. Well, I passed by that one. <laughs> And the fruit of your land, your grain, and your new wine, and your oil. He said he would bless the fruit of these things. But you know what? In, in, order, in, order, to, in, have the, in order to have the fruit of your womb blessed, you have to sow something. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, this, this, this doesn't apply to single people. Unmarried people. Because they're not, they're not sowing that. They're not, they're not participating in that harvest. So if you're going to have the, the fruit of your womb being blessed, you have to have married, you have to be married. And do what it takes to be blessed. Isn't that right? But he says, the fruit of your land, you have to have land. You have to have some land. God can't bless your land if you don't have any land. He said he'd bless, bless the fruit of your land. Well, not if it's laying fallow. It's never been sown, just full of weeds. 
He's only going to bless the land that you work. Now, not, not works of righteousness. He's only going to work. Let me use that, say that different. He's only going to bless the fruit of the land that you sow and cultivate. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Your grain. Well, what if you don't have any grain? Well, you know, he can't bless it. Well, I'm, t- I'm using the agricultural illustration of their day. He can't bless. He couldn't bless Benjamin's grain if Benjamin didn't have any grain. He's got to plant some grain. Your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle. What if, what if, what if Uriah or somebody, well, that's not a good name. Uh, what if some, what if Joseph just decided, I'm not going to have any cattle. I'm going to be lazy. It's too hard to have cattle. <laughs> well, God couldn't bless his cattle. So my point is, in order for God to prosper you, you have to give him something to work with. But if you'll give him something to work with, he will bless it. If you give God something to work with, there is no way on this earth that you cannot stand up and say, you know what, I have everything I need. Now it might not look like it because in in the early stages, it takes some time for the produce to come in. Takes some time for the cattle to grow up. It takes some time for it, for you to, to, you don't just sow today and have a harvest tomorrow. My wife and I, when we were, when we were young in the Lord, when she got back into fellowship with the Lord, we started tithing. And I noticed this. We started tithing and we started giving, you know, in addition to that, to different things the Lord laid on our heart. You know, we weren't, where we are today, we weren't there then. We, we weren't as blessed as we are now. But I noticed this, we never went without. Never went without. As soon as we started giving, faithfully giving, God took care of us. And all during those early years, we just sow and sow and sow and sow. And, and, and I think about this now. I look back at those days and I used to read, you know, Brother Hagin's book, Redeemed from the Curse of Poverty, Sickness and Death. And, and it just, you know, I'd never heard that before. And I used to confess that I have everything. I'm full. I'm abundant. I'm blessed. I have plenty of money. I have plenty, all that I need. And there wasn't much evidence of it at all in my life. But you know, I kept believing it. Some, in the early, in the early days, I wanted to believe it. And I could imagine myself being, but I could just imagine myself having, you know, just not to be concerned if I wanted to buy something or wanted to eat something or wanted to go somewhere, I could just do it. I used to, I used to imagine that, but I, I wasn't there. When, when, if we did go on vacation, we, we did the cheapest vacation out there. I put a, kids in a van and we drove to the mountains and we camped in a state park and we ate what we, what she cooked on the stove, the little Coleman stove we have wasn't exactly Ritz Carlton, but you know what? We never went without. And I, I, and I dreamed about, and it, and it, to be honest with you, at first I wanted to believe it. And I was given and I wanted to believe it. I wanted to believe it. But because it wasn't happening very quickly, uh, it, it discouraged me. And I don't know when this happened. I, I, for your sake, I wish I could remember if there was a day when it just went off. 
But I don't remember a day or a year when it just went off. But somewhere along the way, just by, con- just by continually doing it, continually tithing, continually giving, continually being faithful, and just saying it, just saying it and saying it, there came a point in my life where it became real to me. It became real. And oh, I tell you what, when that, when that happened on the inside of me and my wife, when, it, when giving became, became a joy because we, it wasn't just something, we weren't just giving to get, we were giving because we love to give. So we, we understood something about the generosity and the heart of God and his gift. And I, it just something on the inside of it. We wanted to partnership with God. We wanted to give him everything we could. We began to look for ways to give. And every time we give, gave, it didn't look like we were getting anything, but we knew in our heart, we had it, we had it, we had it. We're prosperous. Well, God took that faith. He took that that we had sown. He began to lay this rich foundation in our lives. Now, today, we're, we're not rich like some people would think. You know, the, the, wealth, the super wealthy in the world, they wouldn't think we're rich. But I tell you what, we have a full supply. We have a full supply. We're rich. Glory to God. We can do what we want, go where we want, eat what we want, live in what we want. We have a rich, full supply. Glory to God. Because God is faithful. But all along the way, for me to, to be in the spirit realm, for me to be a debtor and to be poor, Inconsistent with Christ. There isn't any insufficiency in him. You're one with him and he has plenty. Glory to God. So keep on sowing. Amen. Glory to God. And then seventh, defeat. If you're in union with Christ, one with him, at the Father's right hand, defeat could not possibly control your life couldn't possibly control you not in union with Christ not if you're one with him how could you be defeated how how can you be defeated sitting at the the right hand of the father sitting there beside the majesty on high next to the the creator of all things and he's given everything he did and has to you how could you be how could you have any any defeat in your life Oh, glory to God. Defeat doesn't belong to us. And again, when, the, when you get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, or you don't, you don't, I don't guess you ever fully get it, when it begins to work in your life, the spirit of wisdom and revelation begins to produce the understanding in your life. Oh, hallelujah, fear goes out the window. Oppression, ever been oppressed before? Everybody feels oppression come against us from time to time, but when it does, it just doesn't stick. It just doesn't stick. Oppression comes against me. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and, and I sense this oppression trying to, trying to come on my mind. I wake up and, and, and sort of, you know, just for a moment, my heart's beating. I'm thinking, and I said, wait a minute. That's, a, that's the devil. You get out of my room. You get out of here right now. Turn up and go to sleep and that's the end of it. That's the end of it. It's just the absolute end of it. Why? Because I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. Oppression has no place in me or in you. If you're oppressed, understand that you're free from it. Just like sin, if you have sin in your life, understand that you're free from it. If you have sickness in your life, understand you're free from it. If you have some kind of oppression in your life, depression, obsession, whatever session you have, just say that Jesus has delivered you. 
Glory to God. Just understand you're free from it. Has no place, no right. Can't control you. Amen. In your spirit, sometimes we sense that oppression. Like I said, I, sometimes I, occasionally I'll wake up and that oppression, I'll be able to say, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. No, you don't. It just goes away. Your soulish realm, your mind, your will, the emotions. Just, you, you can't have any defeat in those areas. If your emotions control you, now, Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. No, I'm, I'm sure I don't. It's not bigger than, than the, the right hand of the Father. It's not greater than the, than the throne of God, is it? Yeah, but I was mistreated. You know what? You might have been mistreated. Maybe you, you know, maybe you saw your mama kissing Santa Claus. I don't know. And that just scarred you. You know, I don't know. Things happen to people. And it just affects them. It might not affect you, but it affects other people. People walk in bondage in all kinds of things. In Christ, all of that's discounted. All of that's answered. It's all canceled. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Your emotions aren't in control when you see what we're seeing. When you see what we're seeing, some of you are seeing it, you're seeing it. And the rest of you are nodding your heads like you're seeing it, but I know, I know I've been around long enough, you're not seeing it, but you're nodding your head. Well, keep nodding. <laughs> keep agreeing. I nodded my head a long time where giving was concerned. I just nodded my head and just kept on doing it. Praise God, it finally got in me. Finally got in, generosity finally got in me. Glory to God, just keep nodding your head and agreeing. Your emotions will come into line. Christians ought not be dominated by their fleshly emotions. And when I say I don't care, don't mean, don't, don't misunderstand. I, it's not in the sense that, that, that uh, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't care about you. But it, sh- the better way to say it would be, it doesn't matter what happened to you. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter how bad you were mistreated. It doesn't matter what your parents did. It doesn't matter what, how you were mistreated in school. It doesn't matter if somebody laughed at you or they beat you up or, or, or you never got a break in school and you couldn't learn and you had a disability. It doesn't matter. That, that's, that, I know that's serious and I, I know it's hurtful, but it doesn't matter in Christ. In Christ, you're free from that. Completely free. There isn't any of that at the Father's right hand. There are not any bullies in heaven picking fights with the, with the weaker ones. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. In your body, we've already talked about that. Your finances, we've talked about. In your family, in your marriage, with your children. There's no defeat. There's no defeat. Well, but, you know, brother so-and-so, he raised his children right, and they all went off and served the devil. Well, I don't know what happened to brother so-and-so. I just know that the Bible says that if I raise my children right and and bring them up in the teaching and admonition of the Lord, they will not forsake the Lord. I just believe that. Well, I got back in the fellowship of the Lord. You know, I I was sowing some, some wrong things. I think Steve was about two just just turned two, I think, when I got back in the fellowship of the Lord. So fortunately, I hadn't, you know, planted a lot of bad stuff in his life. But uh, soon after I got back in the fellowship of the Lord, I found that scripture that I had heard growing up, train up a child, the one I just quoted in Proverbs. 
And I said, wait a minute. I, I saw that in my church. I saw preacher's kids. I saw the, the, the leaders of the church. I saw their children go out into sin. And I was one of them. I was a, my parents were leaders in the church. They raised me in the, in the, according to the word of God, the best they knew. And uh, they didn't know everything about faith, but they put good principles in me. And I turned my back on it. When I was 14, I, ter- I told my mom, I don't want anything to do with God and your religion. I'm done with it. Because they had told me that God killed my daddy. And that it was his will. And that he took him from me. And my grandparents. And you can say, well, they were grandparents. They were old. But they didn't have to die from Parkinson's disease like my granddaddy did. And my aunts and uncles, they all died of various things. And it was always God doing. He's always picking people off. And when I was 14, I said, you know what? I'm done with this God that you keep telling me about. I don't want to hear it. I told my mom. And I know it broke her heart. But I said, I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested in your God. Well, I was one of those kids that was raised in, in, in the church, but I turned my back when there was a whole slew of us. I saw that. When I got back in the fellowship of the Lord, it concerned me a little bit because I had a child and I didn't want that same thing to happen to him. And, and, and when I was reading that verse in Proverbs, they were probably dedicating a child, a baby, to the Lord in church. I don't know. It might have been something like that. When I heard it, I said, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. We'd always heard, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, if he does backslide and goes out and ruins his life, when he's, before, he, before he croaks and, and, and dies, he'll come back to the Lord. Just hold on, he'll come back. That's not what that verse said. It's the way we always interpret it. But I, I read that verse and it says, when he is old, he will not depart. And I thought, I don't have to lose my kids. I don't have to, I don't have, to have my kids go into bondage like I did. I took my little boy and I said, no, God, I offer him up. And as a, as a fresh dedication to you, I'll raise to the best of my ability, I'll raise my son. And Greg came along, did the same thing. I'll raise these boys in the, in the training and admonition of the Lord. I'm not perfect, but I know your grace is sufficient for me. And when they are old, they will not uh, depart from the things of God. They won't. They just never happen. So after that, I never worried about it. I wasn't concerned about it. I didn't live up. I didn't grow, you know, uh, go along and just being in fear that my children might one day backslide and not serve God. I never, I never thought that. Never, never worried about it. Never prayed about it again. I just said, I'm going to obey the Bible and I'm going to get Bible results. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, I don't know what happens. You know, it's not when some, when, when, when believers have their children turn out wrong and it just may be for a season it just may be for a season just if that if you see your children going the wrong way get on top of that get these scriptures out and say no you don't devil take your hands off my offspring take your hands off my sons and daughters but uh there are a lot of reasons why these things happen when kids go wrong now in my life it was a result of wrong teaching they told me a lie. They told me that, that God killed my daddy. Well, that wasn't true. Well, you can't, you can't expect to, to, to raise your children with, with, with traditions and things that aren't according to the Bible. That's not training your children up in the way of the Lord. That's training your children up in the way of tradition and church teaching and, 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 and all of that. Another thing that causes parents to, to lose with their kids is not obeying in the affairs of life. What has God led you to? I'm talking to parents. What has God led you to do? Are you following his plan for your life the way you should? 
When the Lord dealt with my, well, he dealt with me and my wife, just, I had to drag her, almost literally drag her along. Took me forever to get her to start going to church. I finally just gave up on her. And she started going to church. And the only reason she started going to church is because this was a church she, she and I used to go to as teenagers. And I'm going to church and it made her look bad. That she wouldn't go to church. Because I would take our young son to church. Just me and Steve would go to church. And it made her look bad. Because she's not going to church. So she started coming to church to save face. But you know what? God worked on her. And it took a while. But uh, she, you know, she finally got back into fellowship with the Lord and she's going along. And then I up and said, you know what? We're leaving church, this church, because God's called me to go over here. God had a plan for my life, for ministry. God had called me to this. I didn't know it. I just sensed that God had a call on my life into full-time ministry. That's not something that happens to everybody. But it was going on in my heart. I knew I was called to full-time ministry. And I knew that the church that I was in did not have the revelation of faith and authority and what belongs to us in Christ. They didn't have that. And they, they weren't going to help me go in that direction. So there was a Rama church. And the Lord said, I want you to stop going to, to North Jackson. I want you to start going to this Rama church. We, I mean, we had a nice church that I went to. I mean, our denominational church, Pentecostal church, was one of the nicer churches in town. We had class. We had good musicians. We had a, just a wealth of musicians, pianists, organists, you know, just the whole band had a, had a great church. We had all of the, of the, of the good programs. You know, you could just, it was just wonderful. The Lord said, you leave there and you go to that union hall. It was a Rhema church meeting in a union hall that the night, I think there were meetings were on Thursday nights and on Wednesday the union, would, the union members would have a meeting and they would get in there and cuss and fight and raise Cain and we'd have to come in there Thursday night and run the devils out of that room and, and open up the windows and get all the smoke out and the, it just was terrible. And that's the church God called me to. Just leave this nice church and go to this union hall where they don't even have anything. They got the pastor that preaches the word though. Didn't have good praise and worship. I told you about the tambourine player. We had a tambourine player that would drive you out of your mind. There were times I had to leave church and go and drive down to the, to the Trout River and sit on the, on, the, on the side of the river at the park just to get my head to stop hurting because this guy kept banging this tambourine in my, in my ears. Little, there was about 20 people in attendance, this little old room. And that almost packed out the room. You can imagine what it sounded like. Oh, Lord. I had to drag my wife there. She did not want to go. She fought me. I said, well, here's the thing. Next Sunday, my, by this time Greg was here. How old was Greg? 77? So three or four years old. Said, next Sunday, I'm taking my boys to, to Living Word. You can, you're welcome to come with us. But you, I can't make you come. I couldn't make her come to church to start with. But that's where I'm going because the Lord is leading me. And so, you know, I, I did that. And, and, and again, she, it made her look bad. So she came along. 
I hope I'm characterizing that right. I know there's some truth to that. It made her look bad. So here she comes. She comes with me. And later, the pastor told me, years, several years later, he said, the first time I saw your wife, if looks could kill, I would have been a dead man. Because she wanted nothing to do with being there. But you know, God got a hold of her. And, and, and melted her heart. She, she, got to, she came to a place where she loved that pastor. And we were there, what, a year? And then we left to go to, to Ramah. And this church helped us go to Ramah. Encouraged us. Took up offerings for us. We'd have never gotten that where we were. They'd have tried to talk us out of it. They'd tried to tell us everything wrong and, and, and that, that we were missing God. But I, I said all that to say this. I had a sense in my spirit early on. I had a sense. I, I, I can't say that I can prove it, but I had a, a knowing in my spirit that if I stayed in that church, I'd lose my kids. If I stayed in that denominational church that I'd been raised in, I would lose my kids. They would fall away just like I fell away. Even though, I, even though I'm word of faith. Even though I'm teaching them the truth. I knew that the influence there would not be good. The friends they would hang around with in church would not be good. And listen, the friends that I hung around with in church, I was the corrupter. You know, I was one of the bad kids. And I, I led some other kids astray, but I had help. I knew, I had a sense, if I stayed there, I'd lose my, lose my kids. They, they wouldn't, they'd end up not living for God. You say, well, how, how do you know? I just had that sense. Because, see, disobedience, and I'm coming around to that point. Parents, disobedience in your life can cause you to lose your kids. But if you'll obey God, you've got to speak the word. I did that. I would have spoken the word if I'd have stayed in that church, but I'd have been in disobedience. Well, praise the Lord. Marriage, family, children, job, career, all your relationships, defeat is completely out of character with Christ. You're one with him. Everything that you can imagine, every good and every perfect gift, the Bible says, comes down from the Father of lights. There's no variation, no shadow of turning. You have a right to it all. Every provision, every blessing, Every, every tenet of the, of, the, of the covenant that God cut with Christ, everything that he's an heir to, you're an heir to. So, well, you, you don't own the world. I will one day. Yes, we, one day we're going to judge angels, the Bible says. Do you not know that you will judge angels, Paul said? We're going we're to rule this world with Christ. We're going to rule and reign on this planet. Judgment of the angels will be delivered to us, the Bible says. And in the ages to come, we can't even imagine what's going to belong to us and what God's going to do for us. But we can, we can start by getting into the Word and finding out what's available to us now. That's, that's what we can do for now. I, 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 I read a little bit about the future and I don't have a lot of insight because I don't think God's given a lot because there's not many verses, but he's given a lot of truth concerning today and how we live. Praise the Lord. Stand up, if you will. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You've done it all. You've done it all, Jesus. You've provided a full and complete and total redemption. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're not perfect, but we're growing into perfection. We're moving into perfect. We're moving toward that goal. We're laying hold of those things for which Christ laid hold of us. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that you give to each one here the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened that they may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, available to the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe? It's the same as that power that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, in every name that's named. Glory to God. You put all things under his feet. And gave him as head of all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. Father, thank you for understanding. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for insight. Thank you for enlightenment, Lord. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.